Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is a sports psychologist who helps athletes, coaches, and teams of all levels from the motivated and talented youngster up to the experienced professional who competes internationally. He supports them by developing their mental toughness using evidence-based tools from sport and organizational psychology, along with his personal insights and experiences. He is also the host of the Demystifying Mental Toughness podcast. Check it out. It's linked up here. Welcome to the Elevate podcast from across the Atlantic in the UK, Mr. David Charlton. morning here it's afternoon there how are you this afternoon yeah i'm very good yeah thanks tyler and yeah big thank you for inviting me onto the show as well really really looking forward to this yeah excited to have you on um i know one of the things with mental performance coaches and a lot of people we have on the podcast is, is the journey to how they got there and i i know you have a unique one uh, that i admire and could you tell us a little bit about how you got into uh the field of sports psychology and what you do now yeah, so, whew. well, yeah, golf, I suppose, would have been my sport as a, as a youngster. Um, I was, well, quite talented, not better. And the dream was to go to a professional level, but um, I wasn't talented enough for that. Technically, perhaps, yeah. Um, but also, psychologically, conf- confidence was a, was a big problem for me. I was very shy. And I think now that I recognize if I... Like when I look at my clients that I support, especially youngsters, yeah. um, they, they get caught up in looking over their shoulder a lot and mind reading, coaches, rivals, parents. And that, yeah. that was me, that, that child who was very self-conscious and worried so much about other people and, and then tried to be perfect. Um, and it just, yeah, it, it's a recipe for um, me too. I can relate to that as a youth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recipe for well, not disaster, but yeah, you, you're gonna, you're always gonna be frustrated. Um, so, so yeah, <clears throat> I'm, I'm highly motivated, and was in those days putting countless hours. I would practice golf until my hands bled, and tried every which way, and it just, it didn't happen. So I, I then football or soccer in, in the States, um, that was a, a big interest. I did some coaching qualifications there in, mm-hmm. in football here. Got into that a little bit. Um, but then at that time, I was working in the travel industry. That was really my, my first career. Um, and I, d- I, didn't, I wasn't able to combine both. Um, so financially, um, that, that was the thing that drove me at the time, um, I got a. I'm trying to think. Ended up getting, getting a more buying a house and getting a mortgage. So the the, the travel the travel paid the paid the money, sure. which became a passion. Um, and yeah, sadly though, the how I actually ended up getting into sports psychology came through a really testing period in my life, to say the least. Yeah. So so yeah, if you go back to. 
two, oh yeah, 15, I can't believe the time actually, 15 years ago, so 2007, my wife um, got diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I took about four months off work and like had a real um, good think about what I'd, I suppose, achieved in my life, where I was going. And yeah. really at that point when she was ill, um, I made the decision, right, this this is what I want to do career-wise as a sports psychologist because I'd been, had always been interested in the mental side. Yeah, um, yeah she she died 15 months later um, and about another six, seven months after that, I got made redundant from my job because it was the recession taking place. Sure, and sure. it was obviously, it was a really, really difficult time at that point um, to say the least. Um, but I was faced with a decision, well, right, do you stick or do you twist? And I decided, right, nope, um, look, he's, you thought you've been thinking about this for the last 18 months or 12 months or so. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. So yeah, in my early thirties, that's what I did. I um, began, I got a de- the process of going back to school, if you like, um, got a degree in psychology, master's degree, and then you go through a supervised practice period here to get chartered as a sports psychologist. So mm-hmm. So yeah, it took us up to about 40, I think, seven, seven years. Um, um whilst trying to pay it for a mortgage and yeah, um, et cetera. So it was it was it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I mean, obviously a challenging time and uh the the courage it takes just to pivot or twist as you put it. Um, you know, in, in our career, I think, you know, as part of my journey, I, I think kind of did that early and you know, worked in a different angle in sports and, and really was motivated and pushed to this and faced some of those same questions in different circumstances as you. And I think that's what I admire that you know, this is got to go do it. And I admire that about you. Um, you have a podcast. That's pretty cool. Um, we'll have it linked up here as well. Uh, it is called the demystifying mental toughness podcast. Uh, what about mental toughness needs demystifying David? Right. Okay. Well, <clears throat> firstly, it's not a male macho term. <laughs> so there's plenty of um, ladies out there who are mental, well, a lot mentally tougher than, than a lot of men. Yeah. So not a macho thing. Um, it is possible to be a kind, caring, empathetic person and be mentally tough. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's, it's, it's not just a sporting tool, if you like, or a, fr- a phrase. It's, you know the the evidence tells you in in the literature around sports psychology that it's you know valuable in health education business you know it's a you know it's a big thing um and i suppose lastly the the, the other one is a lot of people think you know to be mentally tough um you know it's about effort grinding and just dig digging in sort of thing but it's yeah it's a lot more complex than that I like it. I think uh, it's you know, similar thought on, you know, we don't need mental toughness to be tough. We need mental toughness because life is tough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the road from A to B is, is not smooth. So. Whether it's, you know, sports and life, all, all the things uh, that, that we get faced with. Um, along the journey in the podcast on your guests, is there some guests or, uh, 
moments or anything that kind of stick out as, man, that really changed my thinking or something I continued to share that I heard uh, on your podcast? There's, there's probably too many to mention, but I'm, I'm going to come at this from sure. a slightly different angle to what people would expect with, with mental toughness. Cool. So if, I, if I go back to like one of the first podcasts that I did, a guy called Peter Ramage, who's an ex-Premier League footballer. He's now into coaching. He, at the time, he was in the States actually um, coaching. And one of the things he said to me was some advice for, for young players or for players in general is keep that dialogue open with the coach. Um, and one of the big questions he said is, oh, if you don't get selected for a team, ask the coach in a nice way, um, you know, what is it that I need to do to improve? Um, that so that was that was one one little thing in there as well. I, I also interviewed another professional footballer called so ex professional footballer called Jamie Forrester, and it was very similar to uh, the conversation I had with Peter, where we got talking about communication and in a team sport. Yeah, you've got to have all these technical skills, and you've got to be committed, motivated, put the effort in, have confidence, but actually you've also got to have interpersonal confidence. So you need to be able to assert yourself to the coach, to your yeah. teammates. You've got to deal with criticism. So you've got to have some, you've got to be able to have awkward conversations with people, um, which throws me into another podcast, which with a guy, which I did on that topic, um, Paul McGee, he's called the sumo guy. Um, the sumo stands for shut up and move on. Um, <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, we talked about interpersonal confidence and how you deal with these types of situations and, and what have you and, and like difficult people and really his advice from a, I suppose, whether it's an athlete or a coach angle, a sports psychologist, you've, you've always got to be looking to try and put yourself in the shoes of the other person, mm-hmm. understand their values, the stresses in their life, recognize that they're, they're human. Um, you know, it, it's very easy, I suppose, as an athlete to put your coach or some teammates on a pedestal. Sure. Um, but if you can try and put that to one side, and like I say, understand the person is a human. They go to the toilet, they brush their teeth, um, they, they eat. Then you, you, I don't know, you can drop your guard and you can have these sort yeah. of conversations um, a lot easier. And I think even the further you go along in sports, even to the to professional ranks, uh, everyone has a different journey. You might be in the same place now or in the same locker room, but every coach and player has a different journey of how they kind of got there. And, Learning that, I think, is just just like you said in different words, it's, it's just some more those true connections can really happen. Yeah, massively. And I suppose one of the, the big prob- well, problems or challenges, if you like, I don't like the word problems, <laughs> um, <laughs> is especially in elite professional sport at the top end, you've got a lot of egos involved, be that the, the, the athlete or the player or the coach. So being able to leave that ego out of the dressing room, out of the room is, is vitally important. Um, but in lots of cases, easier said than done. For sure. Um, is there a, you know, you work with a variety of clients, but is there a mental skill that you love to teach lately or something that when you get the opportunity, 
uh, you know, something that gets you excited. Mm, something that gets me excited. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I, I would say actually exploring someone's thoughts. Um, you know, there's a variety of angles you can mm. you can take this when we're thinking about someone's self-talk. So, you know, a, lo- a lot of people think, oh, you've got to be really positive and, and motivational. Well, you know, that might not work for for one, well, it might work for one person, but not the next. Sure. It might be that you need some like sort of angry self-talk and you have to really unpick that. Yeah. Fine, great. Um, it might be that, you know, you need to take a bit of a leaf out the mindfulness book present moment, non-judgmental thoughts, um, even like self-compassionate focus therapy, which a lot of athletes would, would struggle with, like, again, throw the ego in there and the, the winning and, and outcomes and things like that. The thought of, of, of saying to yourself, um, I'm okay, and like a sort of soothing, gentler approach um, seems really weird and um goes against that but actually it can be massively helpful yeah um you know on on that note uh, something i'll i'll often throw out to a to an athlete um, i'll ask them if they've got a pet and if they've got a dog for argument's sake i'll you know we will talk about well if the dog had a, a minor accident and and it was hobbling around and there was just you and the dog in the in the house. You know, what what would you do to to con to help and console the dog? Well, so it's straight away. I'll I'll put it on my knee. I'd give it a stroke. I would talk to it in a sort of you know an empathetic, yeah. kind, caring sort of yeah. manner. Well, do you do that um, with with yourself when you've mm. you know you've made a mistake in sports? No. Yeah. Well, could could you imagine doing that? And I, I'm just really trying to. To, to help them understand that actually it's not just what you say it's also the tone of voice that it that is important and, and that can then you know re, refocus you re-energize you and, and get yourself back to the present moment um yeah. and as i say I don't, I don't think you know everybody is very different so not one not one method works um and that's i suppose that's the exciting bit it's been able then to explore which angle to, to yeah. take it help them I love it. The exploration is fascinating because every there isn't cookie cutter solutions when it comes to mental skills and you know the experiences that athletes get put in. Uh, I know one of the things that I saw in doing some research. I know you I think you do some work in is is hypnotherapy. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Um, can you? So I, I was hypnotized once more, uh, you know, uh, many years ago for entertainment purposes. So I had experienced what it was kind of like, um, you know, and they made a fool of me in front of my peers in, in taking advantage of the circumstance. But um, can you talk a little, I think it we're, I feel like we're on a cusp where it's going to become a little bit more normal, a little bit more prevalent. Um, I, at least athletes, especially in college and some things I've heard more and more use of it. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the maybe basic goals are or how you do it to facilitate it. Um, and I'm sure it's different again, like you said, like each athlete on what, what the, you know, maybe the process or outcome goals of, of it, but uh, can you touch, talk about the general sense of what it's trying to accomplish? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you like a couple of examples when it comes cool. down to, to clients without obviously disclosing names. Sure. And what I do. 
Um, so, yeah, I alluded a little bit earlier to the, the self-conscious me when I was younger. So, again, a lot of athletes out there are self-conscious. So, um, supposing, let's see, client... Right, do you got... We'll go, I'm going to go golf, right? So, you've got a, got a female client um, who's self-conscious about the way she looks, um, self-conscious about a golf swing, etc. Um, so how I'd use hypnosis there would be <clears throat> do a gentle bit of relaxation for a few minutes initially to, um, so they, I suppose they, they drop their guard um, in effect and they're just, they're nice and in a relaxed state. Then I might do some, some visualization skills, uh, imagery around that um, and what you're trying to achieve. And then when it comes down to the hypnosis, for me, it's, it's like using metaphors in there to help people so it might be that we we would get them like using visualization um through the use of a metaphor um it could be that like where they see themselves um in a circus for argument's sake where they are the the center of attention and they may be dressed in the wackiest clothes <laughs> Um, they've got bright red, red lipstick on the full works. Um, so everybody is just like, whoa, you know, what, what am I looking at here? Um, and you then unconsciously trying to unpick um, exactly, you know, what it is they go through on the, on the golf course through a, a different means. Um, and also thrown into the mix with, with hypnosis, you would, you would use a lot of uh, statements in order to to back up what you what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Um, another another example um, would be I'm going to well I'm using a bit of a, like an English sport if you like yeah but there'll be similarities with baseball. You've got cr- cricket's the sport, yep. um, <clears throat> and in cricket people hurl the ball at the top level not far off 100 miles an hour at you and um off sometimes at your head it's um, harder it's a hard ball yeah exactly. <laughs> um and it can be yeah, it can be rather painful so it's very easy for the the batsman to to, to become very fearful especially if they've been hurt quite a lot so again you know similarly i would i would use a the same principles, the the relaxation, the imagery, and then statements, and also some metaphors in order to, to help reduce that that fear ultimately. Um, and yeah, there's so I mean, there's so many different angles I would take mm. it. But is, the whole, is the kind of the key objective through the therapy to reduce activity in parts of the brain and ignite parts in the other parts of the brain as you go through that? Is that kind of I mean what the goal of, I mean, shifting what, what, what we're really using to think process subconscious consciously is kind of to plant seeds into the unconscious a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. You, that, that's, that you've hit the nail on the head there where you say plant seeds. So you, again, I mean, regardless of like mainstream sports psychology tools, you often, you're just trying to shift perspective onto you and this is what you're doing at a, at an unconscious level yep. in different ways. You're, you're not, you know, you you're not telling them to, well, you, you mentioned uh, about stage hypnosis. You're not telling them to dance around the stage like a chicken. Yeah. Um, you're, yeah. You're just 
gently, well, at least the way I do it anyway, you're gently prodding to get them to, to open up and think about the, the different ways that they could yeah. react um, at, a, at an unconscious level. Sure. So now in, in my scenario, they made me dance and I did not become a better dancer after coming out of the hypnosis. So, um, you know, diff, different thing going on there for sure. Um, one of the things that I, I liked, um, and listeners, you guys can go to www.sport-excellence.co.uk and you can download this from David as well. But he's got this focused athlete checklist. If you're an athlete listening, great things to go through. If you're a coach, Maybe some good discussion points, uh, take some opportunities with your teams to go through. But we're going to go through a few of them and just wanted David to share um, why these things are important uh, as competitors and, and student athletes and coaches. But um, first one, sounds simple. I think we all do it. Sometimes we don't do it the right way, but why is it important to set some goals that we're going after in a season? Why is that important? Obviously, it's going gonna, it's gonna to focus you. However, <laughs> there's a there's a right way to set your goals and there's a, there's some not so helpful ways to set your goals too. Um, often, often athletes can set that dream big goal, right? I want to win such and such by the end of the season or the, the end of the year. Um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so um, they take that box on they, 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 Yeah, I've set my goals, but actually look, that's that's just a dream. That's that's like a New Year's resolution, isn't it? Really, where right. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose um, two stone in weight, but yeah. then need to nail it down as to right. Okay, these stats are gonna back up this goal, as in performance statistics, um, and then look into the process goals. What what elements are actually gonna help me achieve this goal? So that very quickly is a is the way. Sure. The, the next one kind of blends right into, you know, taking those actionable steps is, is measuring progress. Oh, I see measurement as a motivational tool as well. When you can see, you know, what your effort looks like in a different form. Um, why, why is measurement important so we can see progress? Yeah, well, so it's, it's funny actually because sports, in sports psychology, you can get lumped with the, the whole notion of that it's not a measurable thing and that's you know it's all pink and fluffy but actually <laughs> yeah, you, you you can do that um mm-hmm. so if it's yes well fo- i'm gonna go football or soccer it's a big sport that i, I work in um so if, if i'm let's think if i'm working with a with a midfielder let's say an attacking player um what one of the the things i'll ask them is their you know their passing stats or if they have any ideas around that and say it's 50% of the time they find a teammate. Um, but if they were, you know, if they're then able to track that over a period of time and the C actually, yeah, it's gone up to 55% to 60% and they know they've followed the process goals along the way, as in the key behaviors to drive that, then they're like, actually, yeah, what I'm doing here is, is working, which goes on to drive the, the confidence and the motivation or vice versa if it's if the numbers have gone down then it's well actually i need to change my approach here um and try something else because clearly what i'm doing isn't isn't working and if you and if you don't if you don't track your numbers in some sort of way even a simple way i mean the brain's got a negative bias so 
if you're like a highly motivated perfectionist athlete, you're just going to keep um, finishing training sessions, finishing matches more lightly, like looking at the negatives and you'll feel like you're running in treacle and you're just not making any headway. Yeah. And there's just recently, Dr. Andrew Huberman out at Stanford that has a cool the Huberman lab podcast. They were just talking with the, on one of their episodes about, you know, research about how you feel about your workout and how you feel about your, what you're eating has a, a, a lot more to do with it than we probably thought over the years. You know, if you think you're not working out enough, your, your body's going to behave different. If you f- think you're not eating enough or you're, you're eating plentiful, your body's going to react. And so there's some fascinating research there sharing uh, on, on just how you think about what you're doing. Um, another one down the list here, fun. My favorite F word in sports, fun. What, what, you know, especially, I mean, from youth to, to pro athletes, there's, there's got to be an element of it. But, you know, what does is, what is that element unlock for us? Well, let's be honest. Even from a young age these days, with, with sport it's it's all organized isn't it um yep. where right at five o'clock you rock up coach has a training session laid on and yeah you leave at seven or, or whatever time it is and that that playful element of, of sort of explora- exploration and trying different things that you would that you may have done what 20 or 30 years ago as a child um in the in the local streets, that that doesn't happen um, anymore. So, I think it's important for coaches to ensure that in their sessions they are factoring in this creative element, this fun factor. Otherwise, kids just don't really the the struggle to, to what am I looking for? I'm trying to think of the words here. They struggle to find the zone, if you like. Um, yeah. They don't have any experience of finding it. It's it's all like instructional, I must do A and B to make C. Um, and again, they're, they're, they're looking over their shoulders an awful lot as to, well, I need to please the coach because he said or she said I do that. And yeah, there's, so yeah, self-exploration, which links into fun is, is vital. Yeah, I think the, when they do some of the physiological profiles, there's, you know, before you get into that, zone flow those states that we talk about at the higher end is you you got to pass through this fun engagement type labeled zone depending on how you look at it yeah without doubt and and also if you're a child who's on a sort of steady improvement um steadily improving throughout the years then all of a sudden you start hitting some setbacks and some some roadblocks along the way then if there isn't that fun element in attached to it, then it can become like very, very stressful. And and you'll see them then just quitting the sport um, pr- pretty quickly for, for, for that reason. Yeah. I think that in youth, youth sports, I think that's some of the greatest competition mm-hmm. is other people are selling some other ideas of fun, you know, yeah. whether it's a, a game or, or the internet or YouTube, <laughs> I don't know, but there's uh you know, finding, fun as a coach and discovering that is key for sure. Uh, one last one I want to talk about on here. I think uh, definitely stuck out that I like it, it kind of goes with being, you know, having that intention of what you're doing, having that, you know, uh, not just going through the motions, but why, why do you say have two objectives, 
to try to accomplish during practice? How can that help us just to... Okay, right. So if you rock up to a, to a training session, or you're training three, four times a week or more, um, and it's right, okay, it's Tuesday. Great. Yep, training's on. I'll, with the intention of giving it your all, then 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 fine. But but realistically, what you maybe you might be operating at eighty five percent, ninety percent of your capacity. I think by simply having a goal and understanding why you're there, can then elevate that that eighty five ninety percent to to hundred percent, so you you're fully efficient. So if I I'm going to rewind back about 25 minutes when I talked about the the interpersonal confidence bit. Mm. So if I was a player in a team sport, and that was one of the challenges that I that I had in a say in a match or in a training session was like maybe being vocal was one of the things that could be a process goal I could set myself before a training session where I'm. I'm going to rate myself. So on a scale of one to 10 in this training session, I'm going to rate myself how vocal I am, how how much I'm going to instruct my teammates or encourage my teammates, um, that how I assert myself when I'm criticised. And um, and then, again, you, we're getting into the whole thing about measuring, but you, you yeah. can measure your, your, your behaviour there and it just really you know drills you in and, and focuses you in on, on what it is that you need to do to to achieve your, your longer term goals. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, last question. One we like to ask our guests, uh, how do you define success? How do you define success? Um, it's very individual. Yeah. To, yeah I would well, you've got you in sport, I suppose most people, if, if you ask them that question, they would say it's, it's about winning, but the, you know, the reality is um it's yeah it, it's it's very you know it's very different success i suppose in in my role could be helping them take a take a day off oh, two days off actually <laughs> taking a holiday yeah um, sure, sure getting away from the sport yeah. success might be um yeah we talked a lot about goals um getting very clear on what their what their why is in order mm-hmm. to to help their motivation through the the tough times um it might be having a another pastime um so they they're able to to switch off on a day to day basis it's sure, yeah sure. it's going to be very very individual depending on the on the person who's in front of you yeah Love it. David, thank you so much for joining us, coming on the podcast and uh, appreciate all your insights and sharing what you did. And uh, maybe someday you can come and hypnotize me and work on some stuff. (laughs) You're dancing. (laughs) Yeah. still needs work. Ask my wife, you know, still needs work. So no doubt. Yeah. I appreciate you, uh, you asking me on the show if I've really enjoyed it. And I I hope the, the listeners have found some of the, the insights helpful. Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. 
Thank you again, and if I can help you with anything, please reach out, and don't forget, go elevate others.